Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master, and I'm a pastor here. If you've never been before, you'll notice we're a bit different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously, and we want to encourage you to take your next step in your relationship with God every week you're here. We, right now, we're in our second week of our series that we're calling Identity, and in this series, we're covering a few specific things. Um, Firstly, we're looking to the Bible to help you find your individual identity. As someone who is a follower of Jesus, or is at least maybe mildly interested in him, but we want to help you see what should be different about you, like what should drive you, what's God's desire for you, and also how God wants to use your uniqueness. In addition to all that, we're also going to talk about the identity of this church. We'll share why things kind of are the way they are here, like why certain decisions were made when this church was formed. We want to, put in, we want to share with you the hundreds of hours of research and analysis of Scripture that have been done to help us attempt to be the most honorable church to God that we feel we can be in Fond du Lac. And by doing this, I hope it answers maybe some of the questions maybe you have about this church, but also give you the answer so that you can help your friends who maybe are pondering some questions. Questions like, why is there no cross in this room when most churches have one? Or why is it so dark and loud and contemporary feeling? Or why is the message so positive? Like, why is Aaron positive all the time? Shouldn't it be about sin and hell? Or why doesn't this church do more or less of this? like other churches, or Aaron and his messages, they're just so unpredictable. He's always using some edgy video like this or something, and it's just like, is that even Christian? Like, why is he using this? We'll talk about that specific one later, but I hope this series answers a lot of those type of questions. If you haven't felt it yet, the vibe is a bit different here than other Christian churches, but why? Why is that the case? There are like 30-some churches, Christian churches in Fond du Lac. Are they all the same? Like, I mean, isn't church just church? Like, why is this different? Well, to make sure that we're on the same page, firstly, a church isn't a building or a Sunday service, but it's a group or community of believers. Ephesians 1, to 23, it says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The church is God's body, and it's people, people who, like us, are to represent God on earth. Later in Scripture, we see that His body, or us, we are all a different part and have unique gifts and different functions even. But all of all those churches on that map that we had there, generally speaking, we are most likely 90% the same. Like, most of us all have the same core beliefs, like, just like ours. Like, if I'm looking at ours, like, we have the belief that the Bible is our authority and it's without error. We see Jesus Christ as the Son of God who gave his life. We see God as the creator. Most churches, they value committed followers who, who pray and are committed and who read the Bible and worship and serve. Almost all of these churches that I just mentioned to you do that, believe in that. Almost all these churches do exactly as we do. They want to share the good news of Jesus. Now, again, these are from our beliefs and is the case for almost all Christian churches. And it's like 90% of what makes a Christian church Christian. 
There may be a few beliefs outside of those that maybe cause a slight difference, but generally speaking, it's pretty universal. But if you visit some of those churches and then maybe Centerpoint, you'd still notice there's a difference. There's a difference. Why? Well, that's where last week I brought out the, the brownies, started talking about some good old brownies. Who's a fan? brownies. Okay, good, because we're having those after the service. I don't know if you saw that, but we're having brownies to celebrate being three. Centerpoint is three today, where it's our third birthday. It's amazing. Um, But we have some brownies and then some toppings that you'll get to hear about in a second. But brownies, like, first off, there's not a lot to it, right? Brownies, like, you you buy a box, because those are the best ones, right? Box brownies. And you buy a box, and then it says, oil, egg. That's it, right? Like, that's pretty much it. And, like, that's what makes brownies. Yet, after the main ingredients of brownies, everyone seems to mix it up a little bit. Like, they're all about vanilla extract or adding chocolate chips or syrup or whipped cream or ice cream or frosting or whatever to make the brownies perfect fit for their family or their friends or their tradition. And that extra stuff, whether you're intentional about it or not, or what you do or don't do, matters. Like, what else you put in, even if it's a little bit, it still matters. Like, if you're not intentional about putting good in, and someone said, you know, I was making brownies, and my kid, like, was helping, we are mixing the bowl, and he accidentally threw up just a tiny bit in the bowl. No big deal, though. It's just, it's just like a little tiny bit. You're cool with eating them still, right? No way, right? Of course it's a big deal. Now, I'm not saying other churches put vomit in their services or anything like that, I'm just trying to show, though, that the extra ingredients one would add or not intentionally add to a church, it matters. We have intentionally decided how we prepare and what our toppings are when giving the 90%, just like probably other churches have done in their own way as well. But for this church, since day one, it was built on being positive, relevant, and real. These are part of our church's identity. We have like signs even. Uh, we hope that's what people tend to think of their experience here at Centerpoint. And if you're excited about this church or excited about those things, I encourage you to take one of those signs with you on your way up, stick that up for a week or two to help others know what we're like and then also that we have a place for them. But we have the 90% that every Christian church should, but we're also positive, relevant, and real. And last week we talked about the item of of positive being caramel syrup and uh, hot fudge. So we got that out there for a topping. This week it's relevant. We're talking about relevant or chocolate chips. All right, so chocolate chips will be out there as well. But if you're here right now, I want to assume that you think God is at least semi-relevant to your life. As a church, we absolutely believe Jesus has relevant truths today and healing and teachings that are accessible to you right now and can change your life forever. That is why we want to teach people the ways of Jesus. That's why we're here as a church. We believe him when he says things like this. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. We believe Jesus has relevant truths that can change your life, your relationships, your parenting, your purpose, your marriage, your values, the way you handle conflict, all things. We believe Jesus provides the most relevant truths every person should seek. Yet, I don't know if you noticed this, no one's breaking down the doors to get into a church building these days, right? Like, no one's like, hey, it's Black Friday, we got to get in. There's some relevant truths there. No one's doing that. It's actually kind of the opposite, right? People are avoiding it or it's not important to them. So we 
want to help show the relevancy of Jesus by being relevant in how we communicate it to others. Before we really dive into this ingredient of relevancy, I want you to just do a self-reflection on your relevancy. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being rarely, 5 being always or very often, how often do you feel Jesus is relevant to your life? How often do you feel church addresses yours or a friend's or a family member's relevant spiritual needs? How often are you meeting the relevant needs of others spiritually? No matter where you're at today, I think looking at scripture today will help you see that like why Jesus has intended for his churches and Christians to be relevant, how God is always relevant to us, and then how you choosing to partner with a church that's intentional about relevancy will reach more people, which is what God desires. So to get us going, uh, the definition of relevant is this, it's being closely connected or appropriate to what is being done. Yeah, that's kind of vague, right? That's kind of like... What does that even mean? Right? So I want to break it down a little bit more, which brings the first question. What are we attempting to do here at this church? Or what is attempting to be done here at this church? Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. But as a church, our vision is to be a church that reaches the unchurch. This vision, it was chosen because that is exactly what Jesus' ministry did. Jesus chose to spend time with the people who were not connected to God already, but those who were were distant from God. And he helped them take steps towards faith. Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If we're trying to be relevant, or as that definition said, closely connected to the lost or the unchurched, we need to know who the lost are today, who aren't actively being sought, as that verse says here in Fond du Lac. And that's what we spent hours and hours doing before even deciding to plant here in Fond du Lac. To give you a little flashback on how this church started, which was, again, three years ago on this day, but before even that, two years prior to the launch of services, my wife and I, we visited basically all of the evangelical-style churches in Fond du Lac. And what I mean by evangelical is purely a church that wants to see the gospel or the good, positive news of Jesus spread. And when we visited these churches, we took note seeing churches were reaching those who were older than 60. We saw that churches were relevant to an older preference or style. We saw multiple churches who already had food pantries and were providing resources to the poor and the homeless here. We saw churches with great recovery and addiction programs in place. But what we didn't see was people in the age group of 20 to 55. We saw very few kids running around. And that pointed to the group of families of Fond du Lac being one that's disconnected, unchurched. And this was even before COVID. We noticed this personally, but then we wanted to research a little bit more, and the research confirmed it as it's everywhere. Like Barna, who does a lot of church research, says stuff like this, like church dropouts, it's growing. Like 59% to 64% are dropping out. Uh, Then also, if you look at this, like the trend of weekly church attendance, that red line is millennial attendance, so that younger group, it's now at 25%. It's slowly, slowly declined, just like every group. If you really start digging, you start seeing data upon data of things like this. And because of that, we figured out we can be relevant here in Fond du Lac as a church by being a church that actually reaches that group. To be clear, we aren't only about families. That's not what we're all about, as our mission is to help anyone take their next step in their relationship with God. But we realize it could become our niche or how Centerpoint could be a relevant church in Fond du Lac. 
We can't do everything amazing, right? We have limited resources, manpower, money, time, but this was one area we wanted to prioritize and crush. And how we embrace that is, well, let's just say, it's not by accident that we're in a kids' museum, right? It's not by accident we have more staff dedicated to kids and youth than anything else here as a church, or that most of our outreach events involve a family activity. It's not by accident that we offer childcare for like everything we offer. It's not by accident that the message examples and this venue alone to worship God and is set up in a way for people that are in that age group of 20 to 55. This is how we intentionally chose to become relevant to a large, unchurched population in Fond du Lac. So now going back to that definition of relevant, we became closely connected to the families of Fond du Lac by trying to reach them where they are at. That's a long-winded explanation on why we do a lot of what we do and maybe gives you some insight on why we don't do certain things. But now to actually communicating Jesus' ways and teachings to that unchurched group, how do we actually do that? Do we just become the coolest, hippest church and like it just naturally happens? Is it we just like make some edits to scripture to, and adapt it a little bit to fit with what people need in that age group? Or do we just let the youthful culture run our organization? Do we lower our standards of people or what a follower of Jesus should do? I want you to hear me correctly on this. It's absolutely none of those. But we've done some things intentionally that have both engaged families and others. Others who are either excited about this church because we're reaching younger groups of people or themselves are being reached because what we do, it fits them and their style. And where our intentional things come from to be relevant is from Scripture. If we look to the Bible, two of the most engaging, relevant, and greatest teachers, they had a method. Like, these two people were Jesus and Paul, who, the guy who wrote a lot of the Bible. Now, no offense to Jesus here, but I personally love having someone to look to more than Jesus because, like, Jesus is perfect, right? He's just too perfect. He's Jesus, right? He's like following someone like the dude perfect guys, like, who just never misses. Everything goes well for them. Everything works. He's perfect. He's like these guys. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the long bomb bounce back bucket. Oh, oh dude, heads up! How does that happen? I don't even know. But it's like, Jesus, it's perfect. It just works out for him. Now, to start, I want to look, though, at what Jesus did to be relevant. Jesus, he, first off, he figured out who was missing. So he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He then met people where they were at. Like in Matthew 9, 10, he had dinner at people's houses. Sinners came or sitting with them, the scripture says. He helped them in their universal need. He taught them things. He proclaimed the gospel. He healed every disease and every affliction, Matthew 4, 23 says. And then he turned his followers into advocates of reaching more. Like he called the 12, his disciples together, and sent them out two by two to reach more. It's a really great example of relevancy. Again, maybe even perfect, right? But then if we go to Paul, following Paul's more like, he's decent. He's okay. Like, he's not perfect. Like, he's he's decent, dude. Check this one out. Dude, decent. This is the Sky Bouncer Swish. It didn't go in. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> it was decent. It was a decent attempt. 
Paul is a decent dude. Like, he was kind of a messed up dude early on. He started as a religious leader. He hated Christians and their approach to reaching so many people early on. He approved the killing of one even. Yet Paul was changed by God and then wants to reach more people and shows the relevant truths of Jesus to them. So Paul, he actually follows a model too that I think is almost exactly the same as Jesus. Paul, what he did is he figured out who needs to hear the gospel. He spoke to Gentiles, Romans eleven thirteen says. I am an apostle to the Gentiles, it says. Then he met people where they were at by becoming who he needed to be to reach them. What that says is in 1 Corinthians 19, when he was a Jew, he, he acted like a Jew to reach them for Christ. And then when he was with the Gentiles, he, he didn't abide by the Jewish law, but he sought them to bring them closer to Christ in Christ's law. And then he taught God's ways in Scripture, what specifically people needed in that situation. Whether it was when he went to a church, he taught about sexual morality for that church, or maybe relationships at this one church, or conflict at this one area, or church practices or leadership at another Paul encourages churches and leaders to stay the course of faith and evangelizes to more. For 2 Timothy, he says, fight the good fight like I have. I fought the good fight. Fight it with me. Keep going. Finish the race. Well, when we look at the two side by side, right, like Paul and Jesus, like they figured out who was missing. They met people where they were at. They helped them with a need or their universal need of what God can offer. And then they turned their followers into people to reach more. This makes me wonder and question, how do we do this? How do we embrace being relevant in our identity as a church here in Fond du Lac? How and why should I or you embrace being relevant in our personal faith as a Christian person? And that's what I want to spend our remaining time on today, is kind of going step by step in what Jesus and Paul did, looking at it kind of as a model that reached the unchurched of their time and in their context, but then applying it today in our context. So to start, Jesus and Paul, they figured out who was missing or who was unchurched. As a church, I, I explained we first, who we first saw as unchurched in Fond du Lac. It was families and how we felt we could reach them. That helped us make decisions here as a church. That's as a church. But what about you individually? You might be like, yep, I know a lot of young families that need a connection with God. And I hope that's the case because we have like 70 of your little rugrats running around over there in kids ministry today. You got to know some other families or other people who have kids that are not connected somewhere. Are you being relevant to them by reaching out to them? But maybe for you, you're not a young family today and you love this church, but you also think this church could be a good fit for your friends and family and neighbors and people you see in your community or your coworkers because of some of the style choices here. Or maybe this church, it's providing and equipping you personally with the tools to be the person who reaches a group you personally are passionate about. Who is that to you? Who is unchurched and relevant to you? What do you need to do to start reaching them personally? In Scripture, we see Paul identifies Gentiles. Gentiles were people who have never experienced God, really, the God of the Old Testament early on before Jesus. And we see Jesus identifies those who are lost as those who self-kind of define themselves as ungodly, not really into the Jewish faith. Who's it for you? Who's it for you today? The next thing we see Paul and Jesus do is Jesus and Paul met people where they were at. Have you ever noticed language evolves over courses of times, like how over generations, the language and words, they just change. 
Have you been around Gen Z lately? Come on, you need to spend some time with some young people. It's so hard to understand Gen Zers. Sorry, Gen Zers. I feel like when I talk to a teen these days, I'm like an old parent who needs like a translator to like communicate with me what's going on. Kind of like this video. Check it out. Mmm, this is bussin'. This coffee is exceptionally tasty. Hey, Bay. Hello, loved one. Hey, Zaddy. Hello, older man who is also somewhat attractive. Ah, uh, you're a whole meal too. I also find you attractive. Well, I am getting more swole. My muscles are more appealing thanks to a new fitness plan. Slay, exclamation point. You are doing an excellent job at that. Vibe check? How are you doing? A grinning face with sweat emoji. I am a little stressed, but I am managing. Eyes looking left emoji. Tell me more. I am paying attention. Well, our Wi-Fi. Did you catch all that? <laughs> I also saw this video. Uh, if Gen Z was in charge of our worship at church, they'd maybe be singing songs like this. Check it out. Your love is bussing. Sing with us. Your love is bussing, bussing. Only thing I put my trust in, bussing, bussing for you. Or maybe like this. I don't really know what's going on in there. I hope I didn't just show some dirty video or some... Again, I need a translator. The point being, though, language matters. And what you choose to use brings greater clarity, understanding, and relevancy to a specific group. We don't have a lot of Gen Zers here at this church, so I have no intention of letting them choose our worship songs anytime soon. Anytime soon. But Jesus and Paul met people where they were at. And a lot of it had to do with their language. Jesus met people where they were at and spoke in clear ways to them. He, he understood who he was trying to reach, which again was either a Jewish follower who kind of knew the religious talk but weren't actually followers of him. They weren't godly in a sense. Or he was speaking to Gentiles, people who didn't know God's ways at all. So to communicate to them relevantly, he had to change how he spoke based on the audience, based on who he was communicating to. Paul did something similar. Like he met people where they were at and connected with them based on who he was with. He, and he was actually equipped with this skill because of his upbringing. Check this out in Acts 22.3. It says, Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus. I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Galileo. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. You see, Paul was a Jew, but he grew up in Tarsus, which was a Roman or a Gentile city. So he knew the ways and the talk of Gentiles or unchurched, but he also knew the ways of God because he was Jewish. It's like God put him in a particular situation, a particular upbringing for a particular role. He was closely connected and could choose to speak in a way that would engage a particular audience just like Jesus. So what did this actually look like for Jesus and Paul in their time to do this? Well, Jesus, if you look through scripture, you see he tells stories basically about farming and parties and family dynamic, all normal people things that we talk about these days. And then to think back then, what did most people do for entertainment back then or most nights? Well, most nights they probably listened to stories, maybe around a fire as there wasn't 
electronics or electricity, no TV, no reels, no iPads, no Netflix. You kind of just had everyday people, maybe a fire, and a story. So when Jesus spoke, he talked to them in ways they already knew, in ways people would engage with him, and in ways that were easy to understand. Paul did the same thing. He shared stories about Jesus and then adjusted his language based on who he was talking about or who he was with. And although they adapted their words or told stories or analogies to God, they never compromised God's truth. It always was from Scripture. And this is the ticket to being relevant. How are we doing that as a church? Well, you hear a lot of stories on stage here. We use a lot of video clips Because today, people don't sit around fires and tell stories every night or as their main source of entertainment. What do people do for entertainment most nights these days? Netflix, Reels, Facebook. Don't get me wrong, like there's an unhealthy amount of use of these things. But just like stories and a fire captured people's attention in Jesus' time, video clips do the same in our time today. So being relevant with with videos and maybe an engaging, understandable talk on Sundays, it's part of our identity. That's us as a church, but but what about you? What could you do to be relevant with your words? Like, are you just supposed to be like up to date with the new video that comes out to be a good Christian? Or are you supposed to like know the new slang every time it changes? Not necessarily. Because the core to why one would change how they talk is to communicate truth from your heart. And when you're having a one-on-one conversation with someone, whether you know the relevant way to say that core truth of God or not, when you communicate it from your heart, such as saying like, I love you and I care for what's best for you. So you share God's word with them often. Or... Maybe you, you, you say to them, like, I care and support you. I care and support you, but I, I'm seeing this habit you're doing, and I think it's hurting you. So you share that directly. Or maybe you've been hurt by someone, and you express, I forgive you, but I need us to go through a process of reconciliation. And you share that explicitly. When you communicate these godly truths from the heart in clear terms to people you are in a relationship with, there's no need to be extra relevant because they're going to hear it. They're going to hear it directly. I did uh, youth ministry for eight years prior to this church, and I tried with some of the slang words for a while. Fire, lit, 100%, slap. Like, I don't even know what that means still. Uh, But they never seemed great coming from me. It never seemed great coming from me as this older individual to them. But when I said and communicated, I care about you. What you did was inspiring. To see you invest fully in your faith, that's amazing. These are basic, relevant truths you can declare directly, especially when you are in a personal relationship with a person. Relevancy can come from sharing from the heart, not only from the specific words. When you're trying to reach the masses, you need to be a bit relevant, as Jesus and Paul did. But when you want to reach individuals you have a relationship with, be honest, share relevant truths, clearly speak it, as that what, that's what works best. So for you as a Christian, do you maybe need to think through some of your words that you use? Are you using maybe too churchy of a words or Christian words that your unchurched friend doesn't even know? They don't even know what it means. You say things like, you've been forgiven by the blood, or they are redeemed and not forsaken. They don't even know what that means when you say that. Do you need to maybe check your heart and ask, 
why or how am I communicating to a person? Is it from the heart or is it ill-motivated? And then, am I communicating clearly? The next thing we see happens with Jesus and Paul is they adapted what they provided. Jesus provided healing and gave direction about God. That's what he did. It's kind of basically his, his, his motto. He provided different healings based off of the need of that specific person. And he provided different teachings based off of the group he was with. It would be foolish, right, if he heals a man's leg when the ailment is on the arm. Or to teach on sexual purity of God when they don't even know who God is. Paul did the same type of thing. As he went out to different churches and people, he adapted and chose what would be relevant to them. But it was all coming from that same truth. As a church, we do exactly that. As we look back on being in church now for three years, over the years we assess kind of like what's the needs of our city or our people and adapted what we provided based off of even like what was going on in the world at that time. Whether it was with our sermon series, like we've done ser- series on other religions that people maybe were curious about or voices, things going on in our mind or political division. We did one on all of politics and things of that sort. Relationships, spiritual practices for new Christians, giving grace. All these were decided to reach our church, but then also outsiders, the outsider needs in Fond du Lac. They all used the same Bible. They just were focused based on the relevant needs of the time. We've offered other special events too because we, we know marriages were hurting. So we offered marriage summits. We, we know parenting is hard. We offered parenting things, leadership, all kinds of things, prayer nights for big events. As a church, we adapt what we teach on based on the relevant needs to people. But where our truth comes from, it's always the Bible. That concept applies to a lot of areas of church. For example, our auditorium here, right? It's darker, it's louder, but we do that because we've learned more people are willing to sing and worship God out loud. They are less distracted seeing people or knowing people are seeing them worship. They tend to be more engaged using modern lights and technology focused on what's in front of them. Another one or another thing we do is unchurched people, they feel more comfortable without a cross in a church building. It removes the possibility of any church baggage they maybe had growing up and like that negative feeling of, of going to church or being forced to going to church. So nowhere in scripture does it say one must have a cross in a church. But we wanted to remove that barrier for a lot of new people. We have coffee in our church services, not because it's in scripture, but because people like coffee, right? People like coffee. The perk is they're also a little bit more alert and awake during the message time, so that's also great. We keep our stuff up to date uh, because, and we keep things kind of modern because people, as in unchurched, are excited and more comfortable with facilities that are like any other nice venue they would choose to go to on a weekend. Like a great place for their kids to come and play, but also learn about Jesus. A speaker system for a band that they would maybe see out at some other venue or other live, live place, or what they would actually listen to on the radio. A screen like one would see at maybe a movie theater or a conference center, what they're used to being at. Now you might be thinking, I don't need any of that, Aaron. I don't need any of that. And you know what? You're probably right. You might not need it. Honestly, if you were like, Aaron, let's just do worship in my basement. Let's do it. I'd be like, all right, let's do this. I have a deep enough connection or relationship with God that I will absolutely worship with you in your basement. That sounds super creepy, 
But like you, I just want to worship God. And if it meant worshiping in the basement is my only option to worship him, I'm all in. I mean, it might bring some flashbacks to college. I spent some time in basements, and I remember I chose to go to that grimy, moldy old basement. I guess, why couldn't we do church in a basement? Why couldn't we do it? Well, you want to know who would actually choose to go to church in a basement? Church people. Well, you want to know who Jesus and Paul were after? Unchurched people. And back to families, church or unchurched, I'm sorry, I am bringing my kid down to your dungeon old basement, right? Have you seen a horror movie ever? That's like where people go. <laughs> but that's why we are so intentional about a space that is relevant. It's adapting our style a bit to engage unchurched people. Now that's us as a church. How are you personally adapting what you provide or help with to be relevant, to reach unchurched? Earlier today, I mentioned the people of God, the church, is Christ's body. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and then verse 27, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. If you are a professing Christian and are a part of this church, you're a part of this body. You have a purpose. Now, I'm no doctor, but there aren't parts in your body without purpose. Like, don't say, Aaron, I'm an appendix. I'm an appendix. I looked this up. They don't know, but it could play a role in the immune system or something of that sort. I still don't really know what it does, but it has a purpose. Some of you have been a part of other bodies or churches or have played a role in things, but if you are a part of this church, a new body maybe to you, what you do or offer here might be different than what you did somewhere else. But to be a part of the body, as in show up and be a part of this community, and then not do a role, is missing the mark. I'm going to be a bit harsh here, but I think it needs to be said. Every part of the body has a relevant role. That means if you are not serving and you're the body of Christ here, there is something lacking here because of you. A Christian should have the value or heart of serving. To be relevant means to seek out what area needs help, see if it fits your ability and skill set, and then do it. What's that for you? Is it on Sundays, like with kids or life groups or, like, or leading a life group or helping with hosting or setup or teardown or hospitality or care team, wherever? Maybe it's outside the church, though. Maybe it's not in the church. Maybe it's outside. Like, you're starting a ministry. Maybe you're leading a team to help others. Maybe you're doing mission work. What's it for you? What's a need and what's your relevant adaption to address it that still has the same value and heart of God that you know you need to do? The last thing that Jesus and Paul do is Jesus and Paul turn followers into disciples to reach more. After people had an encounter with Jesus or Paul, they encouraged them to go out, to evangelize, to finish being obedient to God. And I love what Paul says. He says, like, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, Paul and Jesus, they relevantly connected with people. But then their mission became relevant to those people. The mission to reach the unchurched. And that method allowed for more new, and even different types of people to be exposed to God's ways, which is exactly what God wants. You might be here today hearing, we, we started to 
by trying to be relevant to families and realize, that's not really me. I, I, like, I'm not really like a family person. But maybe you embrace the vision and the style of this church. Something maybe stuck with for you. But now you need to go, be sent to finish the race and reach more. Who is the unchurched to you? What are you doing to reach them? What do you know is relevant to them? There are a lot of people still lost. Like, I know there are a lot of teens that, we don't, we don't have a lot of teens, but I know there are a lot of teens that aren't going to church somewhere, and I know there's a lot of parents of teens that aren't going somewhere. What are we doing for them? What are you doing for them? There are a lot of hurting people here in Fond du Lac. What are you doing for them to reach them? There are a lot of ostracized people here in Fond du Lac. What are you doing for them? Last Sunday, I was talking to probably the two oldest people who come to this church, and I was asking them, why do you come here? Why do you come here? And one of them said, it's just down to earth. It's a breath of fresh air. They both expressed how they're excited about seeing young people come to know Jesus. And how they are helping here at this church is each of them serves in kids' ministry. Isn't that a full picture of relevancy? A person of faith so moved by what's happening, maybe sacrificing their preferences, but seeing who needs to be churched and then serving in a way that makes a relevant difference. In that video, that old man dancing away, I don't know if personally like he was actually into that music or just excited about what was happening in the background of being a part of everything happening. Other people dancing and other people partying. Today, we hope that you live out your faith here, but we hope you are also just excited about being a part of the party of reaching more families in Fond du Lac. As I close this today, I'm going to pray that God helps us continue to be a church that is relevant to Fond du Lac, but also that we can individually be relevant for the growth of God's kingdom. Would you pray with me as I ask God to help us do that? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of how you, Jesus, was relevant on earth here, how Paul was relevant, and then how we can be relevant. God, I just pray that you use this church to reach on church. Some of us right now are like, God, I am on church. I, I, I want a connection to you. And right now, some of us are saying, God, guide us, lead us, help us pursue you, be a part of what you're doing. We want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.